0: R E A R E A R E A R E N audio R E A audio R E A audio R E A audio audio R-E-A, audio R E A audio reemployability reemployability season two season two season two don't judge a book by its cover we all know these words of wisdom and have probably heard them from childhood and of course they're true. As a rule, you should never judge the value of something based on its outward appearance. Typically, it costs between $500 and $800 to design a book cover. Now, that's just an average. Some cost much, much more, some significantly less. You know, there are between 500,000 and a million books published in any given year. And that figure doesn't count for self-published books either. So do the math with me. On an extreme low end, at 500 bucks a pop for 500,000 books, The book cover industry is worth $250 million annually. That's a lot of money to spend on something we all know we're not supposed to pay attention to. Because the reality is, we all know that we do pay attention. Not just with books, but with most everything else. It's human nature. Lindsay Bressy is Reemployability's Transition to Work Coordinator. She's been on REA Audio before. Lindsay's been out and about visiting our not-for-profit partners as well as onboarding new ones too. Turns out what we think we see on the cover of many of these organizations doesn't tell the whole story. In most cases, there's much, much more to what they do and the injured workers that are involved in their operations are coming away with truly positive experiences. Lindsay Bressey, you're back with us again to talk with us a little bit about uh, some of your experiences here at Reemployability working on the not-for-profit side. So we talk a lot about risk managers and adjusters and because that, that seems to be from at least the sales and business end, that's the, the people that we talk to. But, uh, but really the product that we have here is the not-for-profit organizations that we partner with, over 40,000 across the country. And Lindsay, you do a lot of work with those not-for-profits to make sure that uh, that they're in line with what our uh, vision is for the com- company, and uh, that they're doing the right things for the injured workers. But I'm not going to steal your thunder. So explain to <laughs> us a little bit about what it is that you do again, because uh, you were with us a few months ago, yeah. Uh, but you've gone through some. There's been some changes in in what you're doing. Now. Oh, yeah, so-
1: Quite the year so far.
0: Tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah. So um, again, my name is Lindsay. I'm the Transition to Work Program Coordinator here at Reemployability. Um, One of my biggest areas of focus for this year was to build our remote work program, Um, you know, build and expand our network of remote nonprofits so that injured workers have the opportunity to do a traditional placement or to do the work from home. Um, Another big area of focus for me is to build and strengthen our nonprofit relationships across the country. I know that's one of our big company visions as well. Um, so i've been having a lot of fun with it just interacting with our non-profit partners uh, trying to build new non-profit partnerships where i can um, and i get to do something really fun once a quarter and that's to travel to different areas across the country and actually meet with them in person
0: yeah and it's not just going out and meeting one i mean you go to a city and you're i've seen your schedule i'm like <laughs> yeah. holy cow you're crazy like like literally five six seven meetings in a row yep to talk to some of these folks. So th- that's great because I know I've been fortunate enough to be able to visit some of our partners while out on the road and I know some of our sales team does and, and that's pretty unique in our industry from what I've heard. Um, some of our partners have mentioned that that they enjoy the fact that we go out and, and we visit them and and it's really not a, it's it's not necessarily a checkup on them. It, right. It's more just to say thank you for for the work that they do in, in the areas that, that they're doing the work. So what is it, how do you identify the ones to go talk to, and, and how do those meetings go?
1: Yeah, so, um, like I said, I go about once a quarter and I try to identify areas where we do have a lot of nonprofit partners that um, we use as go tos, um, try to find areas where there are active participants that I can interact with, and then also areas where there might be opportunity to onboard some new nonprofit partners as well. Wow. So, I so far have been to California and Texas and I I go for about a week at a time. So I try to take advantage of those five business days and tend to overbook myself. But it's a lot of fun just being able to go in and meet with these people in person. I mean, we talk to them every single day. A lot of our placement representatives and our community care team members, like constant interaction with them over the phone or through email. So, um, yeah, like you said, it is a good way to kind of put a face to the name Um, To say thank you in person and just to learn more about what they're doing to serve the community so that I can bring that back, share it with the team, share it with the injured workers, um, even while I'm there, and just see how we can take that to the next level.
0: Is there anything that you've learned being there face to face that you feel like maybe you wouldn't have learned just on the phone or on a Zoom call?
1: Yeah, um, a lot of these nonprofits are serving the community in more than one way and i thought that was kind of interesting like i know a lot of the thrift stores that we send our injured workers to um they all of their proceeds go to benefit bigger organizations um so you know it doesn't say that when you're going to a thrift store you know you might wonder as an injured worker why am i going to this thrift store to sort clothing and what they don't know until they get there and even when i got there is what that thrift store is actually benefiting. You know, it could be benefiting um, a bigger outreach center or a homeless shelter or, you know, anything like that. So it's really cool to be able to go in there and just have a conversation at first with the nonprofit supervisor. You know, they'll usually take me on a tour and then I'll ask like, you know, I, I've looked up your website. I've read the mission. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Um, I recently visited a place where it was a resale shop, but in addition to that resale shop, once I was taking the tour, they had a clothing closet, they had a food pantry, they had an outreach center um, where people could go to to get a list of resources in their community if they needed financial assistance or a place to stay. Like, it's more than just a thrift store at that point. And even the food banks that I've seen as well, um, they often have, you know, um, in addition to like the food bank itself, they'll do like hot meals Mm -hmm. you know once a day or they might have access to hygiene kits or clothing or you know baby products for someone who might need it that is more than just what a food pantry looks like on the surface
0: Mm -hmm. well I've been able to visit a couple of those locations a couple of those thrift shops and what gets me is just it's um, there's an energy at least in the ones that I've gone to. Now, I understand that I'm sure every place is a little bit different, but the, the one that I was at most recently was in the Atlanta area. And we walked in and we met the uh, one of the supervisors. And uh, she her story was amazing. She was an employee there, so she wasn't a, a, a volunteer. But the reason she was an employee there was because several years ago, a tree had fallen on her house and she was displaced and really lost everything for for a time until her house was able to be rebuilt. And so this organization helped get her back on her feet. And she was the organization that the thrift shop supported. to get her back on her feet and so she felt a desire to go work for that organization at the thrift shop and she just smiled all the time (laughs) and this lady is sorting food um because the the day that we were there was free bread day and so they get bread from from i guess um grocery stores in the area and she was putting out the bread and it was just it's infectious the the joy and the gratitude is. You know it it's very easy to come into an office every day and be like oh gotta go yeah. to work. <laughs> and this lady like was so joyous to be there and to be there and be able to serve everybody and and it's hard not to come back to the office here and just be jazzed about what it right. is that we're doing
1: yeah absolutely i want something very similar to your story is i when i was in california I visited one of our thrift stores um and the lady running the thrift store her name is maria Maria takes all of our volunteers. Um, she'll never say no. <laughs> and she's just a, a really like fast paced, high energy, lovely woman. And when I walked in there, you know, I another thing that I like to do is ask them about their own personal story. Like, how did you end up here um, running this nonprofit? And funny enough, Maria was an injured worker in our program okay. six years ago. Yeah. Um, and her claim was coming to an end. They were settling and she was you know, wondering what comes next for her. She didn't know if she would go back to work or find new employment. And the director at the time at that uh, at that facility offered her a job, so that now she's running that store and she's hosting our injured workers. And it was just so cool to see that she has that immediate connection with them because she knows and understands what it's like to be hurt and to feel uncertain. So she goes that extra mile making sure they feel like they're at home, like they feel like they're heard and understood. and. You know she just walked me from one end of the store to the other and she's like this is for that that's for this if yeah. anyone needs help and again it's a thrift store but she's like if if you know a homeless individual came in they have a, a budget for that so they'll just give them clothing or hygiene products they even have a small food pantry at that thrift store funny enough um so she something that i love that she said is that they'll never turn anyone away yeah. and i thought that was really cool
0: yeah now you get to Talk to people like that who who are employees there. Even though her story was as an injured worker, do you get to meet any of the injured workers that we place in these in these particular yes. um, nonprofits when you when you make these visits? Any anything that jumps out at you as is a good story from the folks that you met?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, that's one thing that I look for when I am planning these visits is to try to hit nonprofits that are actively hosting um, our injured workers. That way. I know we do our our regular follow-ups just to check in. Again, that's all over the phone, sometimes via email. So it's nice for them to have like an actual human being to talk Mm -hmm. to. And again, you know, ask them about their experience. How's it going? How's their recovery? Is there anything that we can do to make it a better experience for them as they they make their way back to work? Um, Some of them are a little apprehensive when they meet me, they're like, why are you here, are you checking in? Um, But it is genuinely to have that conversation and just say, you know, I might not be able to solve all your problems right now, but I can listen to you and you can let me know what's working and what's not. And we'll see what we can do to make that better. Um, so it's also good for me to um, be able to bring that feedback back to the team, too. Um, and it's also fun that when I'm having these conversations with the nonprofits, you know, I'm asking about their mission, how many people they might serve on a daily, weekly basis. And sometimes the, the volunteers themselves don't know the kind of impact that they're having while they're there.
0: Right.
1: Um, in Dallas, I was visiting a really small food pantry and by the time I got there, their daily distribution was over. So they were cleaning up, restocking for the next day. And I asked her, I was like, well, I'm sorry, I missed all the action, um, but how many people did you serve today? And she said, well, every day we serve about 200 people. They'll come through the line, they'll get a box of food that's intended to last them for a week. And then we reset mm-hmm. and do it all, all over again the next day. And so we had a, an active injured worker there. And I asked him, well, did you know that? Like on average per week, you're helping feed 800 people in your community. Mm -hmm. And I could see it like sink in there for a minute. Like he was quiet and then he said, I had no idea. Mm -hmm. He's like, honestly, before I even got that letter in the mail, I had no idea this place even existed. So it's fun to, you know, see it click and just to to bring that all back to the injured worker and the participant themselves. Like, yeah, you're sorting food, you're stocking a, a food pantry shelf, but it is going to a bigger, purpose. And that's the whole point of what we're doing is trying to connect them to that bigger purpose. Well,
0: and there's been so much conversation recently since the pandemic sort of fizzled away Mm -hmm. uh, about mental health. And, you know, there's a debate about working from home and and the mental health that the pandemic, uh, the impact on mental health that the the pandemic had. And, you know, it really goes back to our story that we talk to employers about is that you know, if you're creating a light duty assignment or a modified duty assignment for an injured worker, it needs to be meaningful, right? Because there's a mental capacity to that, right? It's more than just getting them off the couch. It's getting them into something that's meaningful, right? And I bet you run into that quite a bit. Like, like you've said, yeah, yeah. Are you seeing anything that, that you might say would be misunderstood about an injured worker right i mean i i I do feel like um, a lot of times especially in this industry we go we go right to cost savings and we go right to um this person's faking it right it's very easy to be jaded and i've said this if i've said it once i've said it a million times on this podcast and that's really why we're trying to to change that outlook in the industry through what we're doing in on rea audio um what are some of the misconceptions that you hear from the nonprofit side regarding the injured workers before they participate
1: so i think some of the misconceptions are maybe they don't want to do the work Mm -hmm. or you know maybe they're like you said um faking it a little bit and i think a lot of it is they they don't know what to expect um you know when they get that offer letter from us in the mail it might it, it gives them the details it tells them where they're going what they'll be doing um, and I think for the ones that do show up, it, it that already proves that they're willing to do the work and take the necessary steps that they need to get back to their recovery. So, you know, it's not I don't think it's that they don't want to do it. Um, and all the injured workers that I've had the privilege to meet for the most part, they do want to be there and mm. they are working hard, whether, you know, <laughs> they're putting on a show for me or not. but. Um, they seem to really be enjoying that the work that they're, that they're doing. Like I know that you recently spoke with Matthew Langster. Yeah. Um, and he was one that really, really stood out to me as someone who understood the benefits of it and who might not have understood it before he even started. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was one of those individuals that took the chance and he's like, you know, what? OK, I'll go to this food bank if it's going to help me get back to work, if it's going to give me something to do, get me off the couch, help me earn my full paycheck. Yeah, I'll do it. And now like his experience is just so you know, positive and he's really getting more out of it than I think what he expected mm. to.
0: Yeah, I see that a lot too, Yeah, you know, talking to people. If you were a risk manager, all right, and, and you had to uh, kind of formulate a return to work program, regardless of whether it was internal, right? Because we do understand that a lot of companies have internal return to work programs that work very well. Um, Or if you were going to utilize an external program similar to re-employability's transition to work program, what kind of approach would you take that you feel like uh, anybody that might be in that position now listening might benefit from?
1: I think it's really important to maintain that employee-employer connection. Um, Just having a straightforward conversation with the participant with the uh, the injured worker that you're going to enroll in a transition to work type of program. Just setting the expectations, um, you know, not making it seem like this big scary thing, yeah. um, but that it's designed to help you get back to work faster um, and to present it as more than just a way to get back to work. You know, this is an opportunity for you to um, not only get back to work faster, but to give back to your community, to make more meaningful connections, to maybe learn something about your own community that you might not have known before.
0: Yeah. I feel like the why is so important, isn't it? You know, if you can sit down and explain to somebody why we're putting you through this program why we think that it's going to be beneficial why we know it's going to be beneficial right not only physical but the mental health as well um and that the end goal is to really get you back to work here yeah as quickly and safely as possible exactly
1: yeah the why is so huge and you know i'll admit it sometimes i forget the why Some, you know every now and then of course um so i think just getting back to that and remembering why we're doing what we're doing and who it's impacting because it's impacting so many different people you know Mm -hmm. not just the injured worker but the nonprofits who are out there doing that hard work and then the individuals who you know a lot of what our volunteers do is behind the scenes so there are so many countless individuals that are benefiting from the clothing that they're sorting or the calls that they're making or the food that they're stocking on shelves that you know a lot of people like to see the impact that they're making directly, but just telling them, you know, yes, you're doing X, Y, Z, but this is ultimately what it's going towards. Um, I think it'll make it a more meaningful experience for that injured worker and probably make them more inclined to to participate. You know, um, it's so easy to get lost or feel lost and overwhelmed by everything that's going wrong in your life that i think putting them in a a position where they're able to do something meaningful with their time as they recover like you said for mental health purposes and just to have a a more meaningful recovery experience like i think just showing them that why on the front end and you know answering any questions that they might have along the way is is the way to do it
0: Mm -hmm. is there anything what else are you working on that you wanted to talk about today
1: oh um so that's kind of the big thing you know i'm i'm planning my quarter three travel and trying to pick nonprofits that um have active injured workers and and you know continuing to build um new partnerships uh another thing that we focus on again is that remote work program so we're trending upwards again to make lots of remote placements Mm -hmm. so uh angela and i are working on onboarding some new partners that can accommodate ongoing remote work um, we're also doing a big stewardship effort for our nonprofits because I can't visit all forty thousand of them, unfortunately. Right. Although I would love to, That's a lot of airline miles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but just connecting with them, doing like you know monthly check-ins just to see how things are going, and just to let them know that we're here to support them as well. You know, uh, we are so grateful that they'll host our injured workers, but. We also want to check in and see how they're doing, um, what we can do to help further their mission in addition to providing them with volunteers.
0: I think ultimately we would love to be able to pair up some of our clients with yes. these not-for-profits Absolutely. in their areas and, it, and create a more cohesive relationship between the two of them. I'm sure part of what you're doing is is to help kind of start that yeah. process going as well. You mentioned earlier that you were certainly always identifying new Nonprofits to work with. What are some of the things that you look for in a new nonprofit when you're visiting them in order to bring them on board with us? And what kind of questions do they have?
1: So um, I, I think one of the big questions that they have is, um, why are you just giving us a free full-time volunteer? Like right. there's no it's like too good to be yeah free, right. right. There's yeah. no like um, you know yearly fee that we have to pay or anything right. like that. And no, that's absolutely not the case. We're always looking for nonprofits that could use that volunteer base and who who need the the volunteer support a lot of the nonprofits that I visited and some were, you know, teeny tiny little food banks. Some were these huge national American Red Cross type of organizations. Um, But most of these nonprofits are volunteer based and a lot of the money that they make um, goes directly towards their program. So it's not like, you know, they're pocketing a lot of cash. So they need that volunteer support in order to continue to keep running. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of the nonprofits that I visited might have like two or three paid staff and everyone else is volunteer based. So we do look to support those nonprofits who, who need the assistance, who have the work that's available. Right. Um, who are willing to work with individuals who have temporary physical limitations and can accommodate those consistently?
0: Yeah, I and, and that's always a question that we're asked when we're talking to new employers is, you know, how do we know that my employee is going to be managed properly while they're offsite? Right, I think it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. They want to make sure, and and what I always tell them, and I think you're kind of alluding to that, is we don't put people in a position where there's no work. Right. It's not like we're going to put somebody in a place where they're going to sit and count bolts right. for eight <laughs> hours a day, which is one of the things that we hear that a lot of employers have people do. There's work for these folks because the not-for-profit needs them there. Right. Um, and so if the injured worker isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing or isn't showing up, we're going to be made aware of that right. because there's a position there that needs to be done. Are you finding coming out of the pandemic that not-for-profits are still desperately in need for volunteers
1: yes yeah definitely i think every nonprofit that i visited on the road they're like if you can send us any more please do yeah um so i'm always looking for that kind of opportunity like while i'm on the road i'll check and see if we do have any candidates in the area that we can immediately hook them up with um, when i get back from my trips i connect with the team and say hey i found six new nonprofits that we can use like i just visited them like let's keep that ball rolling and let's send them the help that they need um because it's a win-win for everyone.
0: Right. So existing partners, fresh partners coming on board. Mm-hmm. You don't look as tired as I think you should be. Yeah.
1: Talk to me in a month when yeah. I get back from my next trip. I got you.
0: Yeah. Great. Great. Anything that uh, anybody listening now that that you would like to share with regards to our not-for-profits or or new not-for-profits that might be listening, Um, just some parting words as to like what to keep in mind uh, when utilizing a program like this, and 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 how to best communicate it to the injured worker.
1: So I, I again going back to what I said earlier. Just maintain that connection with your employee. You know, it's it's not like you're just passing them off to a program, and then you know, once they're released back to work, they'll they'll be yours again. I think that a lot of the injured workers have that uncertainty when they're in our program because oftentimes they can't connect with you know their supervisors or their adjusters, and 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 luckily, like I've been we've been able as a team to maintain that contact with them and answer the questions that we're capable of. Um, But I would just make sure that, you know, you have that relationship with them. um, And on our end, just making sure that they know that what they're doing is a positive, meaningful thing that's not only benefiting the nonprofit, but like countless people in their communities. And again, I, I just think for me at least, and I've worked in nonprofits before, like I like to connect people to that mission and just remind them, constantly that you know you are doing great work and this is only impacting you know people for the better Mm -hmm. and more people than you might think
0: awesome you come back again oh yes i want to hear about your next trip (laughs) yeah absolutely thanks Lindsay. thank you Thanks for listening to REA Audio. If you have any comments or suggestions for an upcoming episode, please let us know. You can find us on Twitter at REA Audio Podcast. That's the best place for feedback and show suggestions. Also, please follow REA Audio on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also check out more content at ListenToREA.com. If you have a story to tell, or you know someone who does, please don't be shy. Email Todd at reemployability.com or tell us on Twitter at REA Audio Podcast. I'd love to chat with you. Have a great week.